give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Telva. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time. Gim, to bring you another episode of the Draft Dad Podcast. Albert, what is good, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm ready to rock. We have Qs. We have As. It's going to be a good pod. We have a lot of Qs. Always <laughs> been a big fan of As. If anybody, anyone who knows me knows that I've been an A guy most big of my A's. life. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing a Q&A episode. And this one's fun because I feel like a lot of the Q&A episodes that have historically been on the Draft Act pod have been like when we've had like scheduling conflicts and it's just like we got to get content out. So I'm like, what's the easiest way for me to record by myself? Um, but today we're attacking the, the Q&As as a tandem, which I'm excited about. So let's not beat around the bush. Let's... uh. Let's just get into the, the questions. You know what I mean? So what we did is we went to Twitter. We went to YouTube. We posted. Ask us some questions. And we're going to bounce back between Twitter and YouTube. So first at Twitter, we got at NBA underscore university. Doing some cool stuff online. Make sure you give them a follow. What is your process for appropriately factoring age into evaluation? Are there specific skills that you will have more or less grace on for a younger slash older prospect? Attack it first, Albert. Let's talk about age. What's your process for appropriately factoring age into evaluation? You're on, you're muted. I'm an idiot. It's so maybe maybe I'm showing my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. Age is hard for me because okay. I don't care about age that much is my problem. And maybe that's something that I need to work on because age does not bother me as much. But okay, in terms of the evaluation of players and taking age into consideration, I'm not a big like, hey, he's 18 type of guy. Uh, and at the same time, I'm not a, hey, he's 23 type of guy either. You, mm. If you understand my drift, I kind of like to look at players just objectively just for their skill level and their translatability are the big things for me. What this, So what this guy's doing currently in college, is that translatable to the next level is what I care about the most. Um, obviously, I understand. Like, I'm not trying to slight people who care about age a lot because I understand it. Like, if you can get a guy if you're looking at prospects and you have one that's 22 and one that's 18, then uh, like, I, I get it. Like you're going to consider that into the evaluation for me. It's just, I don't put as much weight into it, which may be a me problem more than anything else. Um, but once again, I really care about translatability. I care about skill set. I care about effort. I care about uh, team chemistry stuff. Body language stuff is kind of what I care about. And obviously, like I care a lot about, I care, I care way more about measurables and physique than I do age is my thing. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where my brain is at. For me, and again, like we're we're big fans of, not sleeping on older prospects yeah. who are showing NBA translatable skills that 
could potentially make them like outliers to the general, you know, thinking that older players are uh, something you should avoid, like the plague early on. So like last year with Davion, with Davion Mitchell, you know, everybody was like, oh, Davion is small. He's a little older. The shooting was an outlier thing. He's not going to be a shooter, like uh, blah, blah, blah. Right. And none of the winning and high impact stuff he did, like a lot of people were sleeping on him. They were, they had him like late in the twenties, you know, a lot of people had him uh, and they thought he wasn't a lottery pick. And I was probably higher on him than almost anybody in the media space. I had him at six, probably too high um, considering some of the other guys and what they're showing. But I do think that if you look back, he's probably right around where he should get drafted at like eight, nine, you know, in that range. What I loved about Davion, what made him such an outlier prospect to me is a few things regarding his age. One, defensively, he was, to me, like the single best on-ball defensive prospect that I had personally evaluated in my career evaluating NBA prospects. That matters, okay? Like, and when you're looking at like six foot, six one with a six, four, six, five wingspan, you're like, all right, well, modern NBA, can he guard up and down? It's like, did you watch him just absolutely dismantle Cade Cunningham? A guy who had multiple inches on him. And the thing with like Davion, when I'm looking at it, it's like, okay, he's so strong, plays with his chest, gets in your space, makes you uncomfortable. And he's like a boxer. So he's a short guy that knows he might be at a reach disadvantage. So how do you uh, counter that? You're going to try to get in and and junk it up. And that's what he did. He took away what the, the perceived like lack of a disadvantage by closing the gap. And now you got nowhere to go. And you saw how impactful he could be on ball. And then I also thought offensively, there were things that people weren't accounting for as far as, as, far as uh, burst, start, stop, change of pace, all that kind of stuff. And that was stuff for me personally that that I thought was really impressive. And he was put it, he put it together at the end of the year where he just went absolutely bonkers and was putting up like 25 and nine through the course of the final, like 12 games or something, you know, whatever that was. Um, so when I'm looking at somebody like that, I can't discount that on top of the fact that he was so impactful that like they walked into the NCAA title. And like, I was a big Jared Butler guy. Uh, they had a, a very deep team. So like, it's not like he did it by himself, but he was like very much. So a big, big reason they were as good as they are winning is a skill that matters to me. Conversely, Jaden Springer was a guy in that class who like on the internet, everybody was so high on. And I was like, all right, he's fine. And I get the appeal. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, it's very clear. Like, I don't think those two are any, are the same level of process. Like Jaden Springer is a guy who, you know, couldn't get out of the G league last year. So, all right, now you, you drafted your young guy. Okay. Well now he's a year older and he has no NBA experience. So he's coming in as a junior anyway. Yeah. To the, his M- first NBA experience. And now all of a sudden he's basically Davion Mitchell as a rookie. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. So I, for me age, but it's, but it's certainly a factor. Right. Because conversely, I was a little, I was much lower on Zaire Williams. Yeah. He had a disastrous same college season. Truly awful. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. But 
Um, and I probably still would not probably, I definitely would still take Trey Murphy over him. Um, Same. but like, but I was like, why not just draft Trey Murphy instead of Zaire Williams, who you already know what you're getting with Trey Murphy. And yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's going to knock down threes off the catch. He's going to get out in transition. He's going to defend a bunch of positions, cut to the hoop, keep the game simple. Like I actually, like, even though I was way lower on Zaire, I think Memphis and was the ultimate spot for him to land because it took away the bad aspects of his game that people, I think were trying to project upon him that he was this potential shot creator. Right. And now he goes to Memphis is able to dumb down and simplify his game and do all the things that, you know, made Trey Murphy appealing. And that's where he, he found success. So if the shot creation comes, I'm, you know, not super high on him being this like high volume, like 20 point per game scorer by any stretch. But like we, when we did his episode, we were like, how does he become a Cal Bridges? Like that's his path to success. And now he has that opportunity, but he is so young and he came in and like he, he showed flashes. That's where you could be like, all right, I'm betting on the upside because now I know what this baseline is, but also maybe he does have the potential to live up to what he was built up as. So I, there's obviously it's a situational, you know, uh, situation by situation, but like Keegan Murray this year, I don't care that he's 21. I don't care. Keegan Murray is fucking awesome at basketball and he's going to be yep. a really good basketball player. If you're drafting him to be your number one option, you're going to be disappointed, but that's expectation. Your answer was such a roller coaster for me because <laughs> I went on for a while there. No, it's not even that. It's just because I loved Jaden Springer last year and at the same time, I get what you're saying. So I'm like, cool. And then the Trey Murphy thing, I'm like, yeah, man. Like, you and I, we hate – I don't want to say hated, but we really, really, really did not like Zaire Williams last year. Um, if you go he back been in the, He would have been a second rounder on my board. I think he was on mine too. Because, Corey, if you go back and listen to our breakdown of him, we were very harsh on Zaire. Um, I, I, mean, I, I don't think the evaluation's wrong. Me too. I agree. I agree. And I still feel that way. Like, I know like people are like, oh, he had a great rookie year in Memphis. I'm like, okay, cool. Like he still didn't do any of the things that people who are like really high on him on. He still didn't do those things in Memphis. And he, he played a very simple role for that Memphis team. And And that's great. Yeah. And and it's great, but still it's not what people were hoping he was going to be. So I'm like, all right, cool. And they spent the 10th pick on him. So take that for what you will. Um, So I, I, I'm with you on all that, man, for sure. And I'm just like, that was quite the experience. Um, and Trey Murphy would have been awesome on that Memphis team. So, yeah, just, just throwing I agree. that out there. I agree. You know? And also, Jared Butler was older last year, and you and I had – I think I had Jared Butler in my top ten. So, And I he I think he was like 14 for me, something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. We loved him. So Yeah, but we also knew that there was a, he was going to drop because of the medicals. Right. Um. All right, who uh, Usman Jang to the Spurs at how long, Bill? How are some prospects that you feel who <laughs> who are some prospects that you feel are not getting enough love from the media, and why? You want to go first, Corey? I actually have to look at my board to see. All how right, I yeah, I, I'm gonna go uh, with my guy Ryan Rollins. Uh, I'll give a couple. Ryan Rollins, uh, he's a, a sleeper of mine. I thought he had a really good combine showing. 
I just really loved his game all year. We've covered him on the show. I interviewed him. Uh, That's on the feed as well. He's a guy I'm pretty sure that you would know uh, I'm a fan of. And I think that he's, he's a guy that like, just look at his scoring and what he brings to the table as far as like his skill set. really intrigued by him. Um, Gabriel Prachita, Italian kid, six, seven, probably the bounciest wing in the draft super fun sniper shooter, like has some fun developing off the bounce game, but at a, at its baseline, like he could be this kind of guy who's just fitting in off ball, maybe a little like Bogdanovich in Atlanta where he's just knocking down open shots, getting his every once in a while with the ball in his hands, but like running out and transitioning, creating stuff that could be really intriguing and fun. And then um, the last guy, I think EJ Liddell is not getting enough love. I think EJ Liddell is an absolute stud. He is way high up on my list of guys I want the Bulls to get. And I understand that he's, you know, somewhere in like the probably late lottery to like 25 range as far as what his draft stock could possibly be. And like I had, uh, you know, a a source tell me like this kid is the truth. Like he's going to go lower than he should. Something I entirely agree with he's not really getting a ton of love as far as like who could be like an impactful guy in this class. And I think he's just like the consummate, like small ball four or five role player. You see the, the uh, impact that somebody like Grant Williams has played in the playoffs. And I think EJ could be that kind of Grant Williams, Paul Millsappy type of guy who is just like never going to be the best player on your team, but is just going to be an awesome, awesome player. Those are all really good one. The Prochita one. I love Liddell. A guy I absolutely love. Um, okay, I have my list. Uh, first one for me, which I don't understand, and it makes me angry. Jaden Hardy. I saw somewhere that he mm. got mocked like 28th or something in the draft. And I'm like, guys, please, we are severely overthinking Jaden Hardy, in my opinion. I understand the wards. I'm not saying he's a perfect player, but he played against grown-ass adults. I've given my Hardy spiel. Won't do it again, but please don't underrate Jaden Hardy because I think he's a really good basketball player. Um, I think Malachi Branham, he flew up boards, and then things have gone a little quiet for him, in my opinion. Um, I think he deserves a little bit more love and a little bit more attention. Uh, a guy that I wrote about, Wendell Moore, I hope he gets more love. I think good he's one. a guy that deserves a lot of love and attention as well. Bryce McGowan's a guy that I really like a lot. Um He's in the draft, right? I I got scared yeah, for a second. Yeah. For a Even second. his brother, his brother, I think, That's announced right. he's staying That's in the draft. Right. So if his that brother's right. staying in the draft, I'm just assuming that uh, <laughs> that Bryce is staying in as well. Uh, Bryce McGowan's a guy that I have come around on big time. I think he, I, I love his frame. Um, I think he's a guy who's going to get, who's going to be a bucket maker on the next level and a guy who will develop into a really nice player and play above where he gets drafted. The last name that I wanted to throw out there, uh, and it's random because I don't think I've ever talked about him. But the more I watch him, the more I'm into him. Uh, Gabe Brown, Michigan State. Okay. Um, I like him as a defender. Uh, I think he shot like 38% from three, almost 90% from the free throw line this past season. Um, I, I think very naturally people are going to throw the the uh, Herb Jones stuff around him. But 
Uh, I think he's going to start off as a better shooter for sure than Herb Jones. Not that Herb Jones is a terrible shooter, but he's a developing one. Is I think we can easily say that about yeah. Herb Jones. So wanted to throw Gabe Brown in there. He's six seven wing guy who's going to defend, uh, shoot the ball well enough. I think so. I think he's worth a shout at least. I don't think I've seen much about him at all recently. So no, uh, no I wanted to throw him in there. Yeah, no one's really talking about him. <laughs> Sorry, okay, but uh, yeah. um, all right. This is a, a fun question. Those are all good selections, by the way. Thank this you. one is a twofer. It's from Rock D's blog. Who's the player that's going to get drafted in the first round and never really make it in the NBA? And then which team is going to draft that player? So what player is going to get drafted in the first round and never really make it in the NBA? This is a tough one. Because I really like this draft. I'm like in love with like all of these guys. I could see so many of these guys have like a really solid path to to being pros. I have my answer though, Corey. Hit me. The question is a twofer and I've got two answers for you. That's Uh, the that's the point of this of of the show. No, but I meant like I've got two prospects. Okay, okay. The first one is, and people are not going to like me for saying this, and it's okay because I'm not saying he's a bad player, but if I had to place a bet on somebody not working out and it going kind of ugly considering the hype around him and all that stuff. Um, and once again, I'm not trying to curse this player or put some bad juju on him, but I feel like there is a path to him not really working out. Uh, his name is Jeremy Sohan. Um, Ooh, spicy. I know. I know, I know, I know. And I like Sohan a lot. I really do. I just think that there is a world where the shooting never comes around. And defensively, we slightly overrate him a little bit because he played for Baylor. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a path for him to bust. Um, whoa, pause. Uh, but I, 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 there, there is a world where it doesn't with that, work out. With that British accent, there's going to be multiple paths to that. <laughs> so, so my first one is Jeremy Sohan. Where he gets drafted, I don't care because I still think there's a path. Uh, the other guy is my easy answer, and I really do believe this, and I know people don't like this because he's got fans and NBA front offices, blah, blah, blah. He's just a guy that I just can't really get behind, a guy I don't really believe in, a guy that I don't think ever will figure it out. And this is my opinion. I think it's going to be very difficult for him to figure it out because he has a negative touch, and his name is Blake Wesley. I think mm-hmm. Blake Wesley is a guy who people are whispering may go in the lottery and I would just, I just don't like it. And I know he's got fans. I know Simon's a big fan. I know Erson's a big fan. I know a lot of people on Twitter are big fans and I don't want to give you guys hate for it. It's just for me, from what I've seen, from what I believe, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to get there. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. He's a, he's a great athlete, already a really strong defender. He can create shots for himself. The problem is he can create stuff for himself, but he cannot finish. And those guys scare me. So uh, Blake Wesley and Jeremy Sohan are my answers. Yeah. Million dollar move, 10 cent finish a lot of the times. And uh, obviously stuff that could all be approved upon. He's young. This is one of those, Do you, like going back to the first question, like what do you look for? What do you weigh for his youth? If you're, if you're betting on it and like he's young, he'll figure it out. Those are the things he could play with the ball in his hands already. If you're trying to think like, how he would not work in the NBA, which I I agree. He would, he would be one of my guys who I think if he goes in the first round, like 
uh, depending on where, especially you're like, oh, this guy could, he could certainly bust out is um, he absolutely has to play with the ball in his hands, in my opinion, to contribute. He has to. So in or- I think the barrier of entry in the NBA to be a guy who was continuously playing with the ball in his hands, super high. There's so much talent in the league. And I think he's got to really, like he's going to spend some time in the G League figuring it out. Is he willing to do that? Is he willing to go down and develop in the G League? Uh, maybe he is. And if that's the case, then like that's a, a a great thing and he'll get reps there and hopefully he can figure out how to translate that to an NBA context. But man, it's going to be hard to like, if he doesn't make a massive, massive leap over the next two seasons in right. finishing at the rim and, mm-hmm. you know, you touched on him being a great athlete and this is a guy we covered. He's great end-to-end speed as an athlete. He's not great as an above-the-rim athlete. Yeah, he's had, like, uh, a poster or two that are kind of impressive, but, like, those are kind of outlier finishes versus him being really ground-bound and not, like, exploding off the floor. And uh, maybe he fin- he figures out how to hone, like, his speed and his bounce to all make it work together, but I think he's far. The other guy, I'll say... Um, I think Nikola Jovic, there's a path where he doesn't work out. I, he measured at 6'11 at the combine. And like a lot of people are probably looking at that height and going like, wow, like 6'11 and he's got off the bounce game. And I think my counter would be like, I kind of wish he was 6'5, 6'4. And maybe I would have the same feelings of him. Maybe at that point, that just means he's Hugo Besson. (laughs) But I think with Jovic, I'm just like, if he's not like a 40% three point shooter, I just don't know how it works. Like he had, cause he's not great at the rim. He can't go left. He's not a very good athlete. He's a really interesting playmaker out of the pick and roll. I think he's a good passer with good vision. Um, I think sometimes the off the bounce stuff looks Im- more impressive and not that it's not impressive. Like he's hitting these shots, but a lot of times it's almost like I compare it to the Killian Hayes, uh, syndrome like a lot of the step backs he's taking because he can't round the corner he can't really beat his man off the dribble so he's kind of got to find his his shot in these off the bounce step back combo moves so I don't know I just don't see the package especially because who's he guarding he's 6'11 so he's a power forward maybe he's a, uh, the small fur like small forward like Laurie Markins Markinen is a small forward right now and it's like all right you want him guarding Paul George you want him guarding Jimmy Butler like Maxi Kleber like <laughs> like he can't he can't stay in front of dudes in the Adriatic League like yeah. this guy is going to guard the best wings in the NBA this guy's guarding Luka no chance and if he's not going to be a disruptor off ball either which I, I very much do not believe that he is uh then i just it's hard for me to see how he finds consistent minutes on the floor unless he is a lights out shooter and then again as we touched on last episode like even duncan robinson who is a tall lights out shooter who could you know doesn't need the ball in his hands like he's getting played off the floor in the playoffs. So Jovic is a guy that I understand the appeal. I completely do. 6'11", shoots it, has little off the bounce game. It could pass. But I could see the path pretty easily where this guy is just 
not able to stay on the floor because he can't, you know, cover anybody on the floor in the NBA context. Yeah, I agree with that, Corey. And if I could throw one more in there that I think you might agree with, and we have to go deep on it, Ty Ty sure. Washington. I actually don't agree with that. Oh, really? no, I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I I'll tell you why. Okay. okay. I'm not saying that like I'm a, a tie tie truth where I think that he is uh, going to be like should be a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. But I think Ty Ty is very solid. Mm-hmm. I don't see the downside of him busting out completely because I think his pull up game is completely legit. I think the three point volume is going to increase and he's uh, got a pretty smooth stroke. I think he's got an elite floater. And I buy him as a playmaker where he could like, he's not going to maybe dismantle your defense systematically, but he can make like enough high level reads that he's going to find a way with the ball in his hands and he could play on or off ball. He's got a pretty decent frame with good length. Uh, Yeah. He doesn't put a ton of pressure on the rim as a finisher, but that's okay because he has counters. And if you're getting him later in the first, um, around the twenties and on, then I think that's like the, a pretty solid range for him. And I, I just see him being a contributor. I'm not saying I've seen him being a, like a, a, a sure fire, like starter at the spot because the point guard position is absolutely loaded in the, the NBA, but uh, he's definitely a guy who I think I see as a spot starter slash regular starter down the line. It's just, uh, I don't see like crazy high end, like, Tyrese Maxey type upside, but I definitely see him as pretty solid. So I'm interested to hear what it is that you don't think is going to translate. Um, my problem with him is that he's getting mocked to 11 to the Knicks. A lot, but less, I think. <laughs> At least less, crossed. less recently. Hopefully. My issue with him is the handle. Um, so here's the thing, Corey. I know. So what you said, I can agree with. If he gets taken at 28, I have no, I have no problem with that. If he gets taken at 11 and he's got that handle with that physique and he has a year where he gets hurt like he did this year and he's nowhere near what we saw at the beginning of the season, then I'm worried is what I'm saying. 28, 25, no problem. I'm with you. The shooting is real. He's a guy who can play on ball, off ball, gives you versatility. I think defensively he's going to have some trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. But the handle, I'm not a big fan of the handle, but I do like to stop and start with him. Um, he, 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 he's, he's one of those, uh, big, uh, deceleration guys, right? Mm. Really good with that. I agree. Um, but if he's going to be taken in the lottery, that's where I have concerns. And ultimately where you get drafted shouldn't really define whether you're a bust or not either. But I'm just thinking like, if he's got the burden of being the 10th pick in the draft and then doesn't really pan out, I think there's a world to that is kind of my point. I'm not saying I disagree with that. I think if I'm interpreting the question of, gets drafted in the first and never really makes it in the NBA. Like let's say he goes at 11 to the Knicks, which again, I don't see why he's going there because the Knicks already have players like him It's overlap, whatever, but that's another, it's besides the point. Like he could easily be a second, third team, a second team guy, third team guy where he, he finds his way. And if that's the case, then I, it's he'll stick. He'll still stick. It's not that he won't make it in the NBA. He's going to find his way True. somewhere, you know, True. Uh, but, and, and everybody in the draft 
you know, outside of a few people are, are going to be context dependent and situation dependent and where do they go to, to get to maximize their potential. But yeah, I'm like a huge tie tie guy by any stretch. I, I, yeah. I started out a way more skeptical. My first impression of him was on opening night against Duke, where I walked out going, I'm not sure if he can dribble the basketball because yeah. Trevor Keels was literally keep putting him in hell through mm-hmm. uh, that entire performance, which was probably the single most impressive performance that I witnessed live as far yeah. as I felt the electricity in the garden pulsing through my veins um, through Trevor Keels himself. But uh, I like some of those answers. I, I like, I like the, the Blake Wesley. I think Blake Wesley is the right answer. And um, who was the other guy you said? That Sohan. Was Sohan was Sohan. spicy. Sohan spicy. Sohan spicy. Yeah. I get Sohan it. Spicy. I know. I'm gonna I'm I'm in on Sohan because uh, I think bare minimum, even if he doesn't come around with the shot, I just like his defensive versatility. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, at Fulton 27 Jackson says, what are the Timberwolves doing? I heard they worked out Johnny Davis. I don't know if it's true. What players would be a good fit at 19 and who are some players we can get in the forties and would we trade up for anyone? So that's a pretty loaded question. Let's keep it to what players would be a good fit at 19 and who are some players that the Timberwolves should target in the forties? So at 19, uh, Blake Wesley, Metcalf, (laughs) <laughs> uh Metcalf just had a stroke. Yeah, no. Um I think EJ Liddell, we mentioned him yeah. a, a little earlier. Like he'd be a really good fit with Cat at 19. Uh I think that Patrick Baldwin Jr. would be a, a good good get that late. Um a lot of it's gonna depend who's dropping to these spots, man. Jalen Williams, I think, would be interesting there. I think he could play alongside Aunt, uh, Edwards. Who do you got? Anybody? Yeah, I got two. Okay. Uh, first one, Dale and Terry. And, yep. Love that one. Love mm-hmm. that one. Love that Next one. Next one, yeah, I think it'd be phenomenal. Um, and you you swap him for D'Lo. <gasps> him and Ant? Are you kidding? Oh, Are, the vibes would be ridiculous. Immaculate. Like, that's, you want, ESPN is going to, They've got to put him on a lot of national. Oh my god, I'm sold. Dale yeah. and Terry to the Timberwolves is nasty. Uh, one more. I don't know. He's probably not going to be there. But Mark Williams uh, is a name that I wanted to. Throw yeah, in. I think he's gone. I yeah. think he's gone but before then. If he drops, if he drops, not a bad option. Not a bad option. No. Uh, all right. Anybody in the 40s that would be interesting? I mentioned it before. Prochita, I think, would be excellent there. Justin Lewis. Justin Lewis would be fun. That's a good one. Staying in the draft. Um, if he made it this far, I like Keels there. And yeah. Gavoni just said that he's staying in the draft. I like Keels there in that spot. Christian Brown. Mm-hmm. If he drops a little bit, 
Mm-hmm. There's some interesting guys there. For some fan service to Metcalf, uh, Diabate. Could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting. It's a good swing in the 40s. Minot? I'm not a Minot guy. Me neither, but people like him, so. People like him. That's fine. Uh, yeah. If you take him in the 40s, it's a, it's a swing. You could swing there. You, you can know. live with that. Yeah. All right. At uh, Moo 3E. Moo H M O O H 3E. How do you feel about taking your guy at whatever your pick is? Like if OKC wanted Ivy, they just take him at two. Um, I mean... I don't love the idea of it, but also I wouldn't hate it because why not? Right? I mean, but God damn. At two? <laughs> I mean, if Chet's sitting there and you grab Ivy, I, I would I would not be happy. You know what? I'm with it. I mean, like I think I think Presty I granted, I wouldn't take Chet if Chet's sitting there and Ivy and, and you're on the board and Ivy's there. I'm not taking him over jet uh but presty in particular like this is a guy who has made his reputation off going with his not even going against consensus yeah to because that sounds like he's doing it to like yeah you know uh be like i'm not that's what the consensus i'm not doing Mm -hmm. but he's trusting his evaluations he made a living one right yeah Westbrook Harden, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, so I giddy last year, yeah, don't get you know, giddy wasn't mocked to go six most places. <laughs> Poke, yeah, with you know, the, you take the late swings, you take the late swing, <laughs> but uh, so if if Presty was just like, look, we we took giddy last year, we have SGA, but I'm seeing this Ivy kid in workouts, in interviews, I watch the tape and I'm blown away. And I think he's going to be the best player in the class. I think he's, you know, Ja 2.0 with a little Zach Levine and he with better size. Can you argue that? No. Right. So, and that's a specific example. I, I mean, I think go get your guy, right? Like the Spurs last year took Primo. They were like, yeah, we think Primo is going to be the best value at this pick. And I, I think, our immediate reaction to this was like, why not trade back? Mm-hmm. Why not try to get Primo a little bit later? But all it takes is one pick. Also, one Corey, team, one yeah. team, think, you know, like it's all it takes is one, one team thinking like you. So get your guy. How many mocks did we read last year that had Jalen Suggs going to the Raptors? We saw Every a million. One. Yeah. Every a million. One. And they Every took one. Barnes. So yes, I, I, I get that too, man. It's just that specific example. That's a tough pill to swallow <laughs> for you to pass on Chet for Ivy. I respect it. I, I, well, I won't what say I, you're crazy. What if, I mean, maybe in this scenario, Chet goes one. Yeah. Then I can you see know? it. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm becoming dangerously not that high on Jabari Smith right now. Uh, is my <laughs> vibe right now. So, uh, yeah, I see it. Okay. Don't hate it. Let's translate. Let's transfer over to some YouTube questions. Cool. Kellen Nazmir 
asks, unlike last year, do you see more lottery teams trading back or outright trading their pick this year? Uh, I I think the teams are going to keep, most of the teams will keep their pick. I think there's good wing depth. I think if there's good wing depth, it's going, and, and I think there are going to be people who, like, if you look at the mocks now, I don't think they're going to look all that accurate as far as order goes. I think there mm-hmm. might be a couple of surprise guys who who rise up. And I think there's going to be value in the lottery. Uh, so I think teams are going to be like, oh, this guy's there. Like, I'm just going to take him. Now, there is the scenario like Portland where maybe there's a lot of rumors that they're looking to get a, a – win now piece and maybe they move the seventh pick i could see that as well but i don't think it's going to be like a barrage of teams trading out of the draft maybe i'm wrong i don't know the knicks yeah. are a big the knicks are a big trade trade back team yeah which annoyed me last year at the draft um, and it worked out it did it did um the grizzlies have two first round picks so that's definitely worth monitoring um the hornets have 13 and 15 that's worth monitoring Right. Spurs have three. Okay. Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. The Kings at four, right? That's yeah. been mentioned. Uh even okay, Dark Horse. Pelicans at eight. Dark I Horse. Agree. Right? I agree. I agree. Don't be shocked if that happens, guys. Like you heard it here like, first. Like that's a team that's pretty close. Exactly. They have they have young talent. Kyra Lewis coming back. Trey exactly. Murphy, right? A lot of their young talent's good, but Zion coming back, Ingram taking a leap, CJ, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Jonas, right? Like, let's trade that for the the next guy who's going to possibly put you over for a team that maybe is looking to head towards a, a rebuild more. Mm-hmm. I see the vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the Cavs at fourteen. What if they're like, hey, we'll we'll take a later first and a second? Mm-hmm. Could happen. Could happen. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Apkachian. I apologize if I mispronounce that. What does Miami do? Should they reach on potential? Example, Leonard Miller or Dalen Terry, or go for someone more established? I think there's a vast difference in reaching on potential with Dalen Terry and Leonard Miller. I think there's a world of gaps of nuance and... I think Leonard Miller is a little bit further away than some people on draft Twitter are willing to, to talk about. I would much rather take the bet on Dale and Terry. And I, I actually, I think Miller's interesting. I, I really do. I think you move at six foot 10 left-handed big lefty guy. Personally, same. He's got some real interesting tools, but in our draft guide that we released earlier in the week, when we got to Leonard Miller, our prospect chemistry had him as a mix of Lamar Odom and Alexi Pokashevsky. And I've never been more proud of a prospect chemistry than that combination because, I mean, it's like, what if Lamar Odom was just a wild man out there who was making crazy decisions? Like, Drunk. 
like that's like on the basketball court that would be that's leonard miller right now like leonard miller like the shot really far away awkward push shot i know that he hit some threes in the hoop summit game but like that dude shot very far i think you probably you really have to rework it if you want to and that's tough that's really tough he's interesting but like dalen terry is a baseline like like i don't think miller's potential is high enough necessarily that you're like we're gonna pass on Giannis mm-hmm. and I think Dalen Terry has like some really intriguing high level playoff minute type potential for a team so like if Dalen Terry was available to Miami yes go get that that's something I think they could really use a guy who could help create easy shots for his teammates which is something they struggled with in the playoffs mm-hmm. And has the size to fit in defensively, switch up and down, and the energy he brings. Yeah. Okay. But, but we also answered earlier, like, or do you go with somebody more established? It definitely depends on who that is. Like, I'm not taking David Roddy over Dalen Terry because David Roddy's a little older and more established. Um, but you know, if EJ Liddell is there for Miami, like that's a win. Yeah. So it's all situational. So what I was thinking, Corey, was I, I just I'm so convinced that Dale and Terry is just not going to be on the board there at 27. Same. So my, my brain just went to guys like Wendell Moore, Marjan Bochamp, right. Jake LaRavia, those types of guys. Like, I feel like any of those guys would be phenomenal bets for them. Um, Wendell Moore, a guy that I've highlighted before who can do so many different things. And one of the issues that we had with the Heat this year is that they had some guys that could only do one thing well, and that was troublesome for them. And also they were lacking playmaking. And I think Wendell Moore showed in college that, yeah, you don't want him to be your primary initiator, but he can create some stuff. You know, right. he's got some passing chops to him. A guy like Bochamp, amazing in transition, developing as a shooter. Um, I think developing as a defender as well. LaRavia is going to give you versatility as well. So I think any of those guys would be really interesting options at that spot. Um, and I think that's what the heat should be looking for. You know, I think, I think if anything, it might be a little bit of a mix where you're looking for guys who are established, but also that you believe can show a little bit more than they did in college. So Mm. those three guys came to mind for me. I think those are all really good uh, answers for our guy. Lonmar Anadeo asks, I like this question and it's a, a good little transition from a guy we just talked about better career in the future. Leonard Miller, John Butler, Peyton Watson. Uh, Peyton so this Watson is an easy. Me. This is an easy one for me. Yeah, same for me. It's Peyton Watson. Yeah, I from the beginning. I I've always I'm a bet on Peyton Watson guy. He has never had a massive free fall down my big board. I love his defensive potential. I think he could be a game changer on that end. Uh, yeah. The shots far away, but I just love the way he moves on the floor. I like that. He plays hard in the minutes that he gets. And I think he could do a little bit with the ball in his hands. We just talked about Miller, John Butler. I get it. He's interesting. Staying in the draft seven foot. What is he like a buck 70 or something yeah. like ridiculously skinny. Um, so, so he's ways away physically can shoot it. So to me, he's, John Butler reminds me of Zaire Williams. Wow. Like that to me is like kind of the John Butler path. Like, I don't think he's like, Oh, he's young and raw and he's tall and he could shoot. He's got this superstar path for him. Like 
we're going to start seeing a lot of those guys coming through the NBA and not every single one of them is going to be the superstar upside guy. I think a lot of them are going to have to be these weird role players. And I think that's kind of Butler's outcome, but like, I think Peyton Watson could be a legitimate like two way difference maker who fits the mold of like a modern NBA wing. Um, and I think you can use him really creatively. So Peyton Watson for me. Yeah. Peyton Watson's an easy one for me. I saw him play live a couple of times. A uh, guy that I was really into, uh, even when we watch him play live. You go back and watch some of the high school stuff. Um, there's playmaking to him. Uh, there's way more than what he was able to show. Uh, thanks a lot, Mick Cronin. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that I think has a path to being a really versatile, really fun uh, lateral athlete. A uh, guy who, as you mentioned, defensively, I think is going to offer a lot. His his arms are ridiculous. He's got a great wingspan to him, moves fantastically, great effort. So um, I like him. I like Watson a lot. The other guys, not so much. So that's my answer. Michael A. Montez asks, who out of the top 10 is most likely to bust? Which 6'10 guy is most likely to be an all-star? Six through ten guy, not six foot ten inch guy. Oh, so, okay. So, who out of the top ten is mo- most likely to to miss, and then which guy in the six to ten range is most likely to be an all star? It's a tough one. Most likely to bust is really hard. Also, there's such a wide range of guys who could end up in the six to ten range, or in the like in the top ten, like Usman Jang could be a top 10 guy and I'm high on Jang, but there's certainly a path that he doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, I think the, the height, the feel, the playmaking potential, the, the shooting all, I all buy into it, but like, you know, maybe the mentality is not there. Maybe he can't handle the physicality. Maybe he's a little soft at the next level. Like maybe he has trouble adapting uh, to, to the, vigors of the nba life like um like that's a guy i think if he went top 10 i again i think he could he's a worthy top 10 talent but i could see him being a bust uh if who am i who would be an all-star likely who's most likely to be an all-star um in the six to ten range and again like i think after kind of i think at pick five you're start you're seeing a lot of different people who could go top five after, you know, or after pick four, um, I would bet on AJ Griffin, I think to be the most likely to be an all-star player. I'm, I'm way back on age. I never wavered on AJ, but I'm way back to being like, did we not just watch Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown go ham in the playoffs? And these are the type of guys. And, Jalen Brown went three as this incredibly raw prospect with so many holes in his games in his game that he's worked on to get better at. Like, do we think AJ is a complete project uh, product right now? He can't get better. I think AJ is, is definitely a guy with some big time all-star potential. I'm a hundred percent with you on AJ. I still have him. I think I have him six now on my board. So it's pretty high, I think. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I'm a big AJ Griffin guy. Tommy D definitely was in, in our ears about that. And I agree with almost everything that he said, if not everything. So super high on AJ. I think um, guys who might bust, I think Shaden Sharp is worth mentioning just because there's a lot of I don't knows yet. Sure. Um, a lot of hypotheticals, theoreticals Absolutely. with him. So I think it's worth mentioning Shaden Sharp for sure. Uh, an all-star guy other than Agent Griffin, I want to say he's Keegan Murray. I think people, dude, I think people are getting it twisted. Like, it's actually kind of crazy. Dude, Keegan Murray last season as a sophomore on that Iowa team averaged 23.5 points per game. Mm. Um, that's kind of serious with 8.7 rebounds also 1.9 blocks and 1.3 steals per game which is uh good Those pretty, are good pretty pretty good pretty pretty good he's good he's really good so um i think keegan murray has a real shot and the questions and the concerns with keegan murray i'm like um nah guys like this is you guys are overthinking this he's gonna be really good because he can do almost anything you ask him to do so Keegan Murray is my shot because I want to say AJ Griffin, but you already said him. So my other answer is Keegan Murray. Okay. Yeah. Diversity. All right. I think uh, we'll end it with this question. Cool. Is awesome. Awesome. That might be what it's supposed to read out as awesome. Is Jang this year's Kabokolo or closer to a raw or MPJ? Is Agbaji the best three and D wing in the class? And who of Brown, Bochamp, and Sohan do you trust the most to develop a league average three-point shot? So let's take that step by step. Is Jang more Kabokolo or raw MPJ? If I had to pick between the two, I'd say raw MPJ. As would I. But there's a wide range, so I think that's a pretty good spectrum for him. And it's something that actually... Uh, I don't know if Maxwell used MPJ. I think it was like Kabokolo, Giannis, and then somebody else, but I don't think it was MPJ uh, for an article he wrote about Jang earlier in the year. So there is a spectrum there. Is Egbaji the best 3 and D wing in the class? Yes. You heard it here. <laughs> I think I, you might be right. I think it's yes. Yeah. Again, just going to be an awesome basketball player. We Who's, love Ochai. We love Ochai. Who of Brown, Bochamp, and Sohan do you trust the most to develop a league average three-point shot? This is an intriguing question. In Brown, we trust. Albert's going Kendall Brown. Oh, Kendall Brown. I thought it was Christian yeah. Brown. Kendall Brown. Oh, give me a second then. I need to. No, not Kendall <laughs> Brown. Good Lord. What are the options again? Sohan, Brown. Sohan, Brown, and Bochamp. I think Bochamp shot. I, I'm going to go Bochamp. I'm going to go Bochamp, who I trust the most to develop a league average three-point shot. <laughs> Look, Kendall Brown is not a bad shooter, but he is an unwilling shooter. And that is an issue. That speaks to confidence, which speaks to 
a lot of things. Like, all right, my man went in and hit some shots at the combine. That's great. But like, you have all the time in the world to shoot open jumpers in a gym. Are you willing to shoot those same shots when somebody is going to be running out at you? That's a concern. He was unwilling to do a lot of things. He's a skilled player. He's talented. We covered him early in the class because he was having himself like a nice kind of like, oh, this is a guy who we thought was going to be a back-end first-rounder, but maybe he's showing some stuff. And then he kind of just... It's weird that he lost confidence after kind of having such a hot start and the fact that he's a guy that could get to some offense really easily like cutting transition and that's the kind of stuff that will keep you on the floor so i don't know why he kind of just was okay fading into the background the shot looks okay i just do not know uh if he's gonna be willing but i think Beauchamp's shot looks pretty good function functionally he's been shooting from nba distance in game action for a full season so i'm gonna go bochamp yeah i thought the question was christian brown so i answered so quickly um <laughs> but yeah uh my answer is gonna be bochamp as well i mean he showed shooting chops in the mid-range um he's a developing three-point shooter he showed it in in, in the g league as well not that i'm saying he was a 40 percent shooter in the g league either um but you can see it the, the signs are there the crumbs are there um uh, brown as you mentioned the confidence thing is a real concern with him um and then with uh sohan i actually have some real questions man i, I don't know if the shooting comes around not saying that it won't but I have some real questions and concerns, as I mentioned earlier when I said he might be a, a bus candidate. So uh, my answer is going to be Bochamp as well. All right, that's going to uh, that's going to end our Q and A session. Albert, let the World Wide Web know where they can find you on the internet. You can find me at uh, Alberto Gim is my handle uh, on Twitter. Is where you can find me. And um, yeah, come find me, guys. I've, dude, my follower growth has been fun, dude. I'm over 600 followers now out of nowhere. Let's go. Making um, the jump. Yeah, suddenly. And I think it's because I'm, like you said, man, just doing more stuff and putting myself out there more, which has helped for sure. That's what um, it is. But yeah, if you're following me already, thank you. And if you're not, come and follow me. I'm fun. I'm, I'm, I'm fun. Come fun guy. It's a fun, fun guy. Fun guy. You can find me at Corey Sullivan on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude on YouTube, uh, No Ceilings TV on YouTube as well for the No Ceilings fam. Make sure you are subscribed to the Draft Act NBA Draft podcast and make sure you subscribe to NoCeilingsNBA.com. It's free. You'll get content delivered Monday through Friday directly to your email inbox. And make sure you check out the draft guide that we just released, 58 prospect breakdowns, as well as our brand new merch line that we are dropping or that we dropped. Um, we, we love everyone. Appreciate all the, the support. It's been massive this week. Can't thank you enough. We will be back as always next week with more player breakdowns until that time we out. Peace. <laughs>